by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Tomorrow is Veterans Day, and we want to honor those who have served our country and provided this freedom in which we stand and this liberty and this great nation is you have protected us from tyranny and evil all around the world. If you've ever served in the armed forces, would you stand to your feet that we may show you a round of applause? Amen. We see you. We see you. God sees you. That's the most important thing. Well, I'm Pastor Guy. Welcome to the Passion Church. Glad you came today. If this is your first time visiting with us, we're not going to call you out, but we would ask you to fill out one of those visitor cards and turn it in back there to connect this. Wave at him, Brother Van, back there in the back. He's got a gift. Van came bearing gifts today for all the new visitors. He was so excited that you were coming. He knew... He's been praying for you, so turn that card in. We give you a little gift bag just to let you know we're excited that you're here because this is a fun church. We're a happy church. We're a get-her-done church. God is doing things in this church. Just last Sunday, a young man stood up and gave his heart to Jesus. There's life here. Life happens in the church. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. And then on Sunday nights, you know, we go down to the Soto County Jail. Two other men stood up and gave their hearts to Jesus. Or was it a, was it a woman and a man? Oh, it's just one. Just a woman at the jail. Okay, well, one and one. We got one and one. <laughs> and uh, if you weren't able to make it Tuesday night, we had a wedding here uh, for Abby and Paul got married. And now they're Mr. and Mrs. Dennis Paul Payton. <laughs> I called him Denise Paul Payton by accident in the service. <laughs> but like I said, they laughed it off. We have a good time. And uh, our a wing of our praise team, uh, an outreach group that we have here in the church called Soul Food, went and ministered at Warrior Ministries yesterday. And they, they were such gracious hosts, fed us well. And took care of us, and they, they brought their families in, and it was just a wonderful time of fellowship, and we played music and lifted up the name of Jesus all throughout the whole Midtown area there. What, what, what area of town is that called? Orange Mound? All right. Well, Orange Mound now knows about Jesus, because we had a loud PA system, and we was telling everybody. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, because you know what? He has a lot in store for us today. He does every day. Jesus, oh, I need you. Every day I need you. And I yield myself to you today as the shepherd of this flock, to, that you would speak through me, that you would say the things that's going to touch every heart, open up every locked door that has been the things that have been hidden away from you will be exposed today and people would just let it go and there would be a great surrender in this church today where everyone would feel the freedom 
to let go and let God take control. You are what we need. Every day we need you, not just on Sundays. You are a Monday through Sunday God, seven days a week. And we thank you that, that uh, you're always with us. You never leave us. You never change. Your motives, your mode of operation is always the same, to love and to give and to feel Jesus, you are our God. Holy Spirit, fill this room today. Help us to see, help us to hear, help us to receive that word of God implanted into our hearts where it will begin to produce fruit and a harvest that we want instead of this harvest that we've been getting. Like Kirsty says, help us to, to change the way we see our life, make it a lifestyle to serve you and not to just departmentalize you and make you something we do on Sundays or, or have this secular life and this holy life. No, our whole life, holy unto you. Every moment, every day we need you. Help us to open up our inner dialogue, not just to ourselves and speak to ourselves, where it's so dry and empty, but to open up our inner dialogue to the Spirit of God which dwells in the inside of us. Holy Spirit, we want to know you. We want to acknowledge you. We don't want to grieve you. We want to make you happy. We want to walk in the Spirit where there's life and peace. Every person here, they, they, their heart is craving for the same thing, and we've gone so many directions trying to find it, God, but we've all ended up here at the Passion Church today. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that we are right here, right now, in the right place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, a couple Sundays ago, I preached on the life of a Christian should be a life of celebration. And how we should always be finding reasons to celebrate. We should be the most joyful, happy people on the planet. People should see a difference in us. And then the next week, you guys spring pastor appreciation celebration on us. Y'all found a reason to celebrate. <laughs> and uh, Angie, would you come up here? I just want to say that you guys were so sweet. Your gifts, your cards, your testimonies. Uh, they touched us. We've had a really difficult year, and you made us feel like it was worth it. And we know it's worth it. We know it's worth it, but... You reminded us what we're doing up here, and, and uh, we felt loved. And all the people who provided the food and, and organized the event and everything, it, it was very, very special. Angie, you got anything you would like to add to that? Uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you. I, I know, um, uh, okay, I had all this in my head. Lord, help me get it out. <laughs> It just meant so much. I know how much all y'all have on you, and we couldn't do it without you. Everybody who serves in this church in any capacity, you're on the team, you're doing stuff. We could not do what we do without you. Uh, some of y'all do a whole lot, and it, it like I almost didn't even want you to do the dinner. I didn't want you to do stuff because I know how much it is on you. I know it's not a small, easy task to just throw, to, throw a dinner together for everybody and plan it. And so I appreciate you, Mary, and 
Anita, Denise, Donna, so many, everybody here. I appreciate y'all so much, everything you do. Uh, it's hard to sit there at, when they do pastor appreciation. It's like we're all kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> it feels weird, you know, because we came here just like y'all, you know, and God's just changed our life. And that's what I loved about, I wish Nicholas was here. I loved how he hosted it. He kept the focus on God and the church and the lives changing, and that's what matters. And uh, and the other pastors in our church, so many of y'all who do so much are back there all the time. Everybody who serves in the department, leads the department, on our G-Force. Uh, we just really, uh, truly appreciate y'all, probably more than you appreciate us. <laughs> if I could show you, I would. I would tell everybody I want to have an appreciation day for y'all. It means a lot. Um, I also wanted to thank God for my husband. He's my pastor, too. I know him personally, all the things he does, how much he paces these floors and prays and spend time, spends time with God. And so I'm proud of you. I had no doubt that he could do a great job, but he's exceeded what I ever thought he would do, you know. But I know that it's only God that's changed us. I mean, I know who we were before. <laughs> and I, it's, I, don't, I don't know, it's a good thing some of y'all probably don't, but... Uh, it's just amazing what God will do. You know, like I said, we came in here just like y'all, and we're the pastors, so you can be up here too one day. <laughs> uh, it's scary, but uh, it's the scariest thing I've probably ever done. But like I said, I knew that God's called God, and he's done amazing, and I have no doubt when I think of him and how uh, disciplined and faithful he is, I think of him along the lines of like Abraham and Moses, those kind of names. That's really, I do. <laughs> He's that faithful, and I know that he loves God and God and walks with God. And so that's why I think of you in those terms. Is I know how much time you spend with the Lord and, and stuff. So thank y'all, and thank you. I'm thankful I got him for my husband and the father of my kids. Well, I wish I would have went first because... <laughs> I was going to say all the same things about you, sweetheart. You are the smart one in the family, I'm telling you, and you hold things together. And I could not do this without you. And, and, and my, my kids, too, you know, all the sacrifices they make because they know mom and dad are, are serving the church and, and they're willing, you know, to, to sacrifice family time sometimes and those kind of things to make sure that things work. So thank you, sweetheart. Um, the Passion Church is the sum of all of our efforts. Really. I started to show a leadership chart up here. Some of you have no idea the, the, what it takes for a church to function at this high level and, and to be a soul-winning church and a church that's here for people and, and uh, provides life groups and provides next-step programs and provides the care for the children. Those children are not being babysit back there. They're being taught the Word of God. And uh, the, the media and the sound and the, the host and the greeters and the ushers and all those are departments. And there's leaders and people who, are, who have full-time jobs that are given and given and given in the cleaning department. My goodness, they come when nobody sees them, and, but it's always smelling good in here. And it don't, stay, it don't get clean like this by accident, does it, Miss Denise? There's a lot of work and, and things. And so those, uh, each of you who give to this church, this church and the fruit of this church, we're a sum of all of our efforts together. Let me ask you this. If, if you got a beautiful gift on your doorstep or came in the mail, 
And it was just, you opened it and it was exactly what you wanted. You might wave at the mailman and tell him, thanks for delivering it, you know. But you would know that the gift came. You would give the credit to where the gift came from, right? And the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, from God. He is the giver of the gift. And I am just simply tasked to be like the mailman. I get to deliver the gift. So really all honor and glory goes to God. And I think y'all just, y'all did a great job Sunday uh, declaring that and that so we didn't get off a track and make it about me or any, any one person. It's okay to honor a person, but all the glory goes to God. Uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.17, All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. So I think that we are to all stand to our feet for a moment. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe some of you are not used to this, but since I'm asking everybody and, and most people I know in here will do it, they're going to raise their hands in a sign of surrender. And some of you are saying, I don't feel comfortable. Well, if you don't do it, then you should feel uncomfortable because everybody else is. So I tricked you. But this is just a sign of surrender. And let's go ahead and nail it down right now. God alone is God. He alone is worthy of the highest praise. All glory, all honor. Lord, we lift you up. We magnify you. You are the Holy One. You saved us. You came and redeemed us. You loved us with an everlasting love. You gave us our breath and, and our lungs and the beating of our heart. You gave us a chance and another chance and another chance. And we're here today to glorify your name. You are Lord of glory. You are God of gods, the King of kings. We bless your name. Come on, somebody bless him in this house. This is his house. Bless him for his house. Bless him for the Passion Church. Bless him for the, the, the things he's doing in your family, the reconciliation with the people that you have broke fellowship with. He's bringing those relationships back together. Somebody needs to thank him for your healing right now. You got a bad back. Go on and thank him. Go on and tell him, thank you, Jesus. Some of your lungs are weak and you say, God, give me strength right now. There's power in the praise. When the praises go up, the power comes down. We give you all the glory. Even as we honor you, you pour back onto us, Lord. And we thank you for who you are. We bless your name. This is your house. We belong to you. We're called by your name. We don't want to be called by any other name. <laughs> you are Lord. We praise you. Amen, amen. You can be seated. Well, now you have had the full gospel experience. <laughs> Some of you say, are, are you a Baptist church? Or what? <laughs> We're full gospel. <laughs> We're not afraid to express our love for Jesus Christ. And when you get to that point in your life, when you're willing to open up and say, have your way in me, God, I don't care what people think. See, the fear of man is a snare, brings a snare, the Bible says. You worrying about what somebody else is going to think of you, and you're not receiving all that God has for you. You really just need to say, if God be God, let's let him be God. Why are we going to try to hold back like, well, I'm going to give you this much. 
where were you when he created man out of the dust of the earth? And weighed out the oceans in the palm of his hand. And flung the stars into existence. We got to acknowledge who God is in this world. And that's been the problem. The devil is, did God really say, is he really who he says, is he really giving you? Yes, he is. He really is God. He really did create you. And if he created you, he knows your, your design and your purpose. And he knows where you should be directed. And we're trying to find, looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for fulfillment in this world. And you're not going to find it there. Your fulfillment is in God alone. And I better get to my message. All right. <laughs> oh, and another thing. I wanted to thank you guys so much for praying for my brother Heath when he was here last Sunday. Brother Tom anointed him with oil and prayed the prayer of faith. And I know we hooked up and believed for him. You can see that he needs a miracle in his life. God healed him of stage four cancer five years ago. But the devil has come back. And, and, and we're still believing that God's going to, if he delivered once, he can do it again. And see, Heath is my best friend. He's my very best friend. And I need him here. I need him for this journey. I really do. And so I thank you for praying for him. It was such a treat that he came uh, to be with us. He's a deacon in his Baptist church. And he's, you know, I'm sure he had obligations and stuff, but he came to be here with us for pastor appreciation. It meant the world to me. You know, recently he was called by his uh, high school, alma mater, I guess you call it. He went back to his high school, one of their football games in front of about 1,000 people in the stands. They called him out to the middle of the field. And they honored him and gave him a, what they call a, a hall of fame for his sports achievements at the school. And, man, you should have heard the good things they said about him. They said he was the quarterback of the football team, and he made, like, all state or something. Then, then he scored 50 points in a basketball game. 52 points? Mama's corrected me. Can you imagine, high schools don't even score that much as a team most of the time. In a high school basketball game, he scored 52 points. And he was the only, at the time, he was the only young man from Mississippi, to the first one to ever sign a full scholarship with the University of Georgia to play baseball there. So he made the Hall of Fame there uh, at his high school, and it was, it was good. But to me, he makes the Hall of Fame for a totally different reason. Because he's a good man. He has made Jesus Lord of his life, and he has let him take control. He has raised good, godly young men. He's got a healthy marriage. He's, he's like I said, a deacon in his church. He teaches uh, Bible, what do you call it, Sunday schools, and all those kind of things. He is a good man. Y'all keep praying for him. I need him. He's my best friend. I've had like three best friends in my life. And since he is old enough to become my friend, he's six years younger than me. He's always been my best friend. Uh, the funny thing is, two out of my three best friends in my, my world were altar boys at the same church. A little uh, Catholic church in Shaw, Mississippi. You know, probably when 50 people attend. And both of them served as altar boys. And... Uh, Kind of odd. I'll t maybe tell you about the other altar boy before the service is over. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. The book of Acts chapter 10, 
We're going to start in verse 34. That's going to be our launching point today. This is going to be our foundational scripture for today's message. says, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. And that's good. <laughs> he still shows no favoritism. He loves you as much as he loves me and vice versa. In every nation, he accepts, accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Say, do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began, began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. See, Jesus operated in the same Holy Spirit and power that we operated in when he became a man. And it says, then... Then Jesus went around doing good. Say, doing good. Amen. Then Jesus, anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, then he went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let me say that again. He went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You want to know what Jesus did? He went around doing good. And healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Today's message is entitled, Doing Good. And I wrote down some ways that I saw Jesus went around doing good. First of all, I see that he gave us a reason to believe. He gave us something to believe in. You know, we all have this desire to want to put our essence of who we are behind something that's bigger than ourselves and jesus gave us reason to believe he showed us the very face of god the face of grace he's the visible image of the invisible god we're looking for god we said we can't see god but jesus came and we saw god we saw what god looks like we saw what god talks like we saw how God acts and how, is he a good God? Yes, because Jesus went around doing good. You want to know how Jesus feels about you? I mean, God feels about you. You look at how Jesus would have responded to you. You see the way Jesus responded to people. He brought hope. He brought life. He taught the truth. He never told a lie. He was truthful and honest with people. He healed the sick. He healed the brokenhearted. He didn't just feel, healed their physical needs, but he healed, healed their emotional needs as well, the brokenhearted and the downtrodden. Mostly he did that by bringing hope. And maybe you're here today and you're brokenhearted. You're feeling downtrodden like the world has run over you, like a Mack truck hit you or something. Man, my world is in pieces. I don't know how I'm going to get through. This. It just seems like I've, I've lived all these years to get to this point, and I'm just broken. And I feel like it's too late to start over. God would say, no, there's still hope. I mean, I think about the guy on the cross next to Jesus, dying on, on the cross for his sins. It wasn't too late for him. It ain't too late for you. You just start where you start. I was 32 before I gave my heart to Jesus, right? 
So I know what it's like to be hopeless. And I just started where I started. And I just went whole hog for Jesus ever since. And that's all you got to do. God knows that you didn't know until now. But now that you know, go about doing good. He fed the hungry. He gave to the poor. He showed us life. He offered us life. And to those who receive it, he gave them life. And if you're saved today and you know it, and you have his spirit in your heart, you know the difference. If you're not saved today, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But hopefully before the message is over, you will. He fought for the weak and the mistreated. You know, in those days, children and women were like second-class citizens. But he's like, no, bring them to me. He, he, he didn't treat them like second-class citizens. He went out of his way to show that they, everyone is equal, that he shows no favorites, right? He loved everybody. There was racism of the time going on. The Jews hated the Samaritans. So what does he do? He tells a story about the good Samaritan to the Jews. Healing racial tensions. Lepers were put in colonies. They're quarantined, but Jesus touched the leper. He went around doing good, didn't he? He listened to people. He had empathy. And when his empathy arose, he displayed his mercy. He always had mercy for people. People we wouldn't have mercy for. We said, well, I helped them five times. I'm not helping them six. I forgave them seven times. How many times am I supposed to forgive them? Jesus said, you just keep on forgiving them. Seven times 70. Some of you in here thinking, well, I done, I done been down this road too many times. I done asked for forgiveness. I just can't do it no more. They're just not going to forgive me. Jesus will. He's the God of another chance, not just one more chance. Jesus chose to forgive rather than to condemn. When they threw the woman at his feet, caught in the act of adultery, they said, you must condemn her. He said, well, let him who without sin cast the first stone. I choose to forgive. He bore our sorrows, he paid our debts, and he gave his life as a ransom. He didn't, he, he didn't do it just, he didn't just say it. He had to earn the right to be able to forgive. He was able to forgive because he paid the debt himself. He offered us a path out of the darkness and he's always pointing people to God. Always pointing people to the light because he himself is the light. And we're to keep our eyes on that light. So how do you go about doing good? You say, well, that's Jesus. You know, I don't know if I can do any of those things. Those are Jesus type things. Well, wait a minute. Don't you have that same Holy Spirit and power available to you? Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's see if we can do any of these things. He gave us reason to believe. Some of your lives, people's like, oh, they ain't never going to mount to nothing. But now you're amounting to something. People are getting reason to believe. Maybe there's something behind this Jesus. You give them something to believe in. You show them the face of God in your life. 
You bring hope and light, and you begin to tell the truth. Some of us have lied for so long, we've lied to ourselves. We begin to believe our own lies, and lying becomes a way of life. Jesus said, no, no, no. We're going to begin to speak the truth. You can begin to speak the truth into this world. Somebody needs to stand up and be different and speak the truth. You can begin to heal the sick. It says, this, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal body. Now your hands are the hands of Jesus. You lay hands and pray the prayer of faith over the sick and they shall be healed. And if they don't get healed physically, you can certainly help heal them emotionally by being someone to cry with them. Someone to listen to them. Show them, the, show them the love of Jesus. Because that's what people need more than anything, is to be healed spiritually. Because what happens on, in the spirit is what manifests in the flesh. And what the, the sicknesses in, our, in this world is a result of the sin disease in the world. So when people begin to get healed spiritually, light begins to cover where there once was darkness. And we begin to heal this world. And that's why Jesus came, to bring light to this dark world, to make a difference. And we can do that. It says, let your light so shine before men. That people see your good works, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know what your Bible says? You have a light, and you have a responsibility to let it shine like Jesus. You can fight for the weak and mistreated. Ain't nobody stopping you. You ain't got to give in to what the world says. You ain't got to point fingers at people, put people in categories. You ain't got to be a Democrat or a Republican. You can be a Christian. It's just a mind shift. It's a beginning to understand. Think kingdom business. Think, think God's way. Not being told what to think by the media. You can listen and have empathy and show mercy. And you can choose to forgive rather than condemn. You say, but you don't know what they've done to me. My daddy did this. My mama... My my wife, my ex-wife, <laughs> my father-in-law, I hate him. You, you can't even mention their name without making a face, you know. You don't know what they've done to me. I know what they did to Jesus, and Jesus looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he knew he wasn't fighting against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities, rulers of the darkness. We're fighting against... Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. We understand that people are not our issue. Those people, if they're hurting us, that's just because they're hurt. And they're deceived by the enemy. And somebody has to rise above the fray. Somebody has to say, no more in my life. I'm serving the king of kings and not the devil. I'm coming out of the darkness into the light, into the marvelous light, so they can give my father some praise for what he'd done in my life. You can point them to the one who bore our sorrows and paid our debts and gave his life as a ransom. And that, my friends, is leading them out of the darkness. So we can do these things. We can go about doing good. We all can do this. 
I wanted to do this my whole life. But I never had the power to do this until I made Jesus Lord. Until I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the, the power is in the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus came that you might be filled with him. It wasn't, Jesus did no miracles until after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but one comes after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he was telling you, you need this fire. Because you got good intentions, but you have no power. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you get the power of God. You get the heart of God, the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You don't really love people. You don't know how to love people till you get filled with the Holy Spirit, till you get saved. Because before then, I used to love Angie, but only so much as she loved me back. But when Jesus came in the midst of our marriage, she ain't got to worry about me loving her now. It's eternal. Ain't no chance of it leaving. Well, sound like somebody wants their marriage to be stronger. Amen. John 21, 25 says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that could be written. I mean, he was just... Doing good. And then it says he was healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Well, that's, that's a, only Jesus could do that kind of thing. That doesn't sound like something I could do. Well, wait a minute. What does it mean to be oppressed? To me, it sounds like you're being pressed down. Oppressed. Like something heavy has been weighed on you to keep you down oppressing you, keeping you from understanding. Pressed down by the devil so that you won't walk in the fullness of this new covenant that Jesus offers the believer. See, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you entered into a blood covenant cut between Jesus and the Father, and it's eternal covenant. And there's, there's so many promises and so many blessings in this new covenant. And the devil, he, he hates to see you go when you give your heart to Jesus, you know, when you say the sinner's prayer and you say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. But he says, that's all right. I ain't going to let them know about all the, the benefits that come with it. I'm going to oppress them. I'm going to make them walk in sickness. They're going to be tired and wore out. They're going to be chasing the same things the world has done. There ain't going to be no difference. They're going to be compromised. They're not going to walk into things of God. I'm going to make sure they don't know about the, the promises of God. And he looks at his little imps and his demons. He says, that's right, right? We ain't going to let them know because if they know, we're in trouble. So he does everything he can to oppress you. But Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That doesn't just mean the demon possessed. That means the, the, the ones who were just being held down from knowing what God intended for their life. I'm going to give you some things that I saw 
It's just some of the benefits because I see that there's over 750 promises in the New Testament alone to the believer. 750. We, we ain't going to get that far. But here's some of the things that I wanted to bring out. Of course, eternal life. Whew, that's the big one. I know that I'm going to spend eternity with God and not in hell. And I also have access to God. I can come boldly before his throne of grace. He's not some far off God that, you know, I got to go, I got to go through, pray to Mary to get to God, or I got to go to the priest to get forgiven. I can go straight to God. I have access to God through the blood of Jesus. And there's healing, like we've already discussed. By his stripes, you are healed. That's a promise. There's deliverance. From drugs and alcohol and addiction, pornography, all those things. Transformation. You get that another chance. And then things begin to turn around for you. You're renewed by the word of God. Your thinking begins to clear up and you begin to follow God. And you begin to find freedom. You begin to discover that there's purpose in your life. And then the, my favorite is that being filled, the promise of the filling of the Holy Spirit. But the devil would have you believe that, oh, you get all the Holy Spirit there is when you get saved. But two or three weeks ago, I preached on that and showed you clearly that, that people who were already saved and baptized, the apostles laid their hands on them, and then they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is not just going to inhabit you without an invitation. And you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith, just, just like you received your salvation. So Jesus cast our sinful past into the sea of forgetfulness according to the new covenant. According to the new covenant, we're not just servants of the most high God. We're sons and daughters of the king. We don't just get spared and get brought into heaven as servants, but we get brought in with an inheritance as sons and daughters. We get to eat at the king's table, I'm trying to tell you. We get a right standing with God. We don't have to come beggarly and say, well, you remember all the things? He said, I don't remember. I, I cast your past into the sea of forgetfulness. Why are you bringing it up? And then if you need knowledge, how to live your life, how to start your business, all these things, you need wisdom, how to handle this relationship, how to forgive all these things. He says, I give to all men liberally. All you got to do is ask me. Promise in the New Testament. He gives us protection. He gives us provision. And one of the things we can't stop talking about is purpose. He gives you a purpose. He doesn't say, okay, you're saved now. Hang out until I come back. No. I want to use you. I designed you special. I got something for you to do. And that makes you just have this sense of worth. Well, I mean something. My life is important to God. Could God do it without me? Yeah, but why would I want him to? When I could be a part of God's end time harvest of souls. There's purpose in your life. You look back at that chart back there. You get to know God. You begin to find freedom. 
And then when you get loose of all your stuff and you, you, get, you get your mind off yourself just long enough to think, what is my purpose in this life? Then you begin to make a difference. That's how it works. That's discipleship wheel, we call it. That's why you're in church today. God's trying to get you around the wheel so that you can help others around the wheel so that we can go into all the world and make disciples who will take up their cross and follow Jesus and you can play a part in God's plan. I'm preaching real good. When I run out of breath at the end of a sentence, I'm preaching real good. I'm just kidding. I hope you think I'm preaching real good. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm just trying to encourage you the good things that you have in your Lord Jesus. You have fellowship with your church family. you got so many brothers and sisters now, you don't know what to do with them all. you got peace, joy, hope, and what everybody's hearts is longing for, love. You are so, so loved. In the, that's you, Erica. You are so, so loved. You, there's no difference in you and anybody else. You're right at the top of his list. Amen. You see, in this new covenant that we have, we get Jesus' word. There's power in this word. We get Jesus' name. There's power in the name. We get Jesus' blood. There's power in the blood. We get Jesus' spirit. There's power in his spirit. We get Jesus' favor. And if God be for you, who can be against you, huh? We get God's presence. That's why I can't wait to get here on Sundays to share it with you. Because <laughs> God's presence is here all week. And I just walk these halls and just enjoy it and bask in it and love on him. And you can do it from wherever you are because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And wherever two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst of them. And all you need is you and the Holy Spirit. And that's two of y'all. So He's in the midst of you. Woo! Mm, mm. We have the whole armor of God so that we can stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, we stand there for. The devil ain't got nothing on us. We don't even need no armor in the back because we ain't turning and running. We're standing there for. In the fullness of the armor God gives us to protect us against the evil one. We're not ignorant of his devices. We're on guard. We have access to all these promises through faith. They're in the New Testament. They're in the Old Testament. You read the word of God. It gets in your heart. You believe it, and it activates it. Faith. Faith activates the promises of God in your life. He's waiting for you to believe it and stop letting the devil oppress you out of it and keep you ignorant. The devil wants to keep you in the dark. He wants to hold you down. He don't want you to rise. He don't want you to come out of the darkness. He wants you down, but God wants you up. On wings as eagles. He wants you to soar. He's got a plan to bring you into the light. And his name is Jesus. Jesus loves us so much. That's the whole message. Is we would just realize how much we're loved. 
You know, that rich young ruler that came to Jesus talking a bunch of smack about how he had kept all the commandments and stuff. Jesus knew he was lying. He says, okay, if that's the case, come follow me. But the guy was rich, and he said, no, I'm good. And he walked off. Jesus could have said, I knew you wouldn't, I, I knew already you wasn't going to follow me. Jesus could have got offended at his rejection. But yet the Bible says Jesus looked at him after he rejected him and loved him. He loved him anyway. How many times have we rejected Jesus? But he looks at us and he loves us. One of the most amazing scriptures in all of the Word of God is the Last Supper when the Creator of all heaven and earth, the God of everything, living and dead, gets down on his hands and knees and washes his disciples' feet. This is the lowliest of tasks. They would get the lowliest of the servants to wash their feet. And the God of all the universe bows himself low, puts a towel around his waist, and he washes the stink off of his disciples' feet. He looks up into the face of Peter. He looks up into the face of John. And he, and he, go, he looks up into the face of Thomas. And he's going around washing their feet. And at some point, Jesus looked up to the face of Judas. And the Jesus I know, and everything that I know about him, tells me he looked at him and loved him. Though he knew that Judas would betray him with a kiss. That Judas was sitting there play acting, did not care for Jesus. He was waiting on his opportunity to betray Jesus. But Jesus washed Judas' feet. Now which one of you is going to tell me that Jesus doesn't love you? Which one of you is going to tell me he doesn't look at you and love you? Jesus never gives up on us. We give up on ourselves. The devil brings condemnation to oppress. God brings conviction to help you rise out of. If you feel oppressed and brought down and your, your sins remembered and you're, you're told that you'll never make it and all these things, you're listening to the wrong voice. The voice of God encourages. The Holy Spirit lifts up and brings out. Get back up again. A good man may fall, but he gets up seven times. He just keeps getting back up. The Holy Spirit's your cheerleader. You can do it. You can do it. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I got you. I got you back. Just trust in me. Come with me. And you'll rise on wings like an eagle. I think of old Peter, man. That Peter must have been a handful for Jesus. <laughs> he thought he knew everything. And I'm going to tell you, a lot, of, a lot of people I see when they get saved, they've been saved two weeks, and now they can tell everybody else what, how the world works. <laughs> I was like that. I, know. I thought I knew everything now. I, I barely knew Jesus' last name wasn't Christ. <laughs> I barely knew anything. 
But I was telling everybody everything. And that was like Peter. He was full of himself. Making good decisions, making bad decisions. He had zeal, but it was misdirected most times. And then you know the story. He ended up denying Jesus three times. Denying that he even knew him. And in one of the Gospels, it says that Jesus saw him do it. Jesus had already said, Peter, before the, the rooster crows this morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter says, you got the wrong guy. But that morning, Peter denied him out there in the courtyard. And they were bringing Jesus in chains through. And Jesus saw Peter. And I wonder if Peter looked at or Jesus looked at Peter and loved him. You know he did. You know he did. He told him, Peter, before it happened, he said, the devil desires to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed that your faith will not fail. And when you come back to yourself, <laughs> when you come back, I want you to teach my brethren. And that day when Peter went fishing after Jesus had been resurrected, he don't, I guess I've messed up. I've messed up. Jesus saved me, showed me all this stuff, but I went back to my sin. I denied Jesus, and some of you have done that. You've, you've what we call backslidden. You went the wrong path and walked away from Jesus, and then you got discouraged. You said, I don't know what to do. I go a fishing. And he got back into his old boat. The one Jesus had called him out of. And he got back into his old boat and he went fishing. But Jesus was on the shore. And he was cooking him some breakfast. Had him some fish cooking. And when Peter recognized it, he jumped out of the boat and swam clean across the, the, the water to get to Jesus. And Jesus restored him. He said, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, take care of my lambs. Peter, feed my sheep. He said, come, you follow me. Let the past be the past. Today is the day. You come follow me. And I'm going to show you your purpose in this life. Some of you think because you've made mistakes, you've walked away. Some of you may have been saved and served the Lord for a while and then you went back into sin and now you're so embarrassed that you feel like you can't come back. That's not true. You're being oppressed of the devil. You're being told a lie. Jesus is on the shore saying, come on back, Peter. Swim back to me. If you want to, you can walk on the water. <laughs> you got faith to believe it. Come back, I'll restore you, and you can follow me just like you did before. In fact, I'm going to make you a pillar in the church. And he did. You know, some of us, God allows us to be broken, and to go astray, and to do these things, to break us. Because else we think, see, Peter had to be broken. He was too full of himself. He knew everything. But it wasn't until Jesus restored him that he came back in a different attitude. And if you read First and Second Peter, you see humility talked about more than any other books of the Bible. Peter talking about humble, 
He humbles the, the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, humility talked about more than any other books because Peter had been broken. The things that you have gone through and the things that you have experienced and the mistakes that you have made, they are just... make you into the man or the woman that God intends you to be. But at some point, you've got to say, yes, Lord. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you go from here. It matters where you go from right now. Hebrews 4.15 says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. He came down here to be one of us to experience the human experience so that he could identify. He knows what you're going through. He knows the temptations. And he knows that, that before you give your heart to him that you're dead and your sins and trespasses and you have a sin nature. He understands that. He understands it better than anyone. He's, that's why he came to give you a reset. Give you a fresh start. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. They will we'll receive his mercy and, and find his grace to help us in our time of need. Don't ever run from God. Don't ever run from him. The worse you act, the bigger mistakes you make, the more you need him. And you compound it exponentially when you run away from him. You know... What really irked Jesus on, on the earth? He loved everybody, right? He wanted to give everybody another chance. But the people who irked Jesus the most are those who wouldn't share his grace and mercy. But they used the word of God like a hammer to beat down and oppress the people. And that's dead religion. A lot of people do that. They, they get saved and now they want to tell everybody else what a low life you are. Look at me. And that's not the way it is. We're all in this boat together. We all need to be jumping out of this boat and swimming to Jesus. We're all in this together. Matthew 23, 15 says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell that you yourselves are. You're just trying to heap people unto yourself that they'll follow you and, and idolize you. Instead of saying God's mercy and grace is free for all who will receive it, and I'm in the boat with you. You become an oppressor of the grace of God like the devil. What we need to be is expressors of the grace of God, not oppressors. We need to show people grace. This message of, of inclusiveness, this message of love and acceptance, and this message of mercy and grace and forgiveness that I'm preaching to you today doesn't need to stay with you. It needs to be expressed with you to other people so that they can see the mercy of God and reach out and receive. The gospel is good news. I've been, I couldn't get off Colossians 3.3. 3. Y'all even mentioned it last Sunday. Your real life is hid with Christ in God. 
It's in the relationship. That is the power of God. You, you go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed by the devil. Why? For God was with him. You can't do it without him. The best you can do is give it a good old human effort, willpower, last a little while. Maybe you do good for a while, but you're going to fall back into your old human patterns. To get out of those ruts, you need the power of God in your life. Well, I preach too long. I'm not through, but I'm going to quit. Ephesians 2.10 says we're God's masterpiece. Can we go ahead and get the children in here for to take a, uh, we're going to take communion together. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. Say do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God wants you to do good things. He wants your life to be a reflection of his grace. You go about doing good and healing others that are oppressed by the devil because God's with you. What I'm going to do since I didn't preach myself behind, I'm going to ask you this. If you're in here today, and every head up and every eye open, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know if you died today that you would go to heaven. That's the starting place. You've been oppressed and you've, you've been under the foot of the devil. It's time for you to come out from among that darkness and rise into the real life, that real life that is hidden in Christ. Your real life that you're supposed to be living. You, you want to know that you have eternal life. You want to know that you're right with God. If you're here today and you're uncertain about that, I can tell you for a certainty, if you're uncertain, then you're not saved. Then you would go to hell if you died. But Jesus doesn't want you to, to feel like that. He wants you to know that you have eternal life. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he was up on that cross for you to take away your sins. The sin debt is paid, but unless you receive that free gift of salvation, you stay dead in your sins because he's not forced himself on you. Just like he won't, he won't fill you with the Holy Ghost until you ask him. He won't save you until you ask him. And he's waiting on the day that you would come to the end of self and say, remember how we lifted our hands and surrender? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Hey!